Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. Happy New Year to you all. It is a new church year. We start this Sunday, Advent 1 Year B. As is customary, Advent kicks off the church year every year, and for the next two episodes of Synaxis, we will do a little bit of a different format. I was actually a guest on the Strangely Warm podcast, which is done by the fine gentleman over at Crackers and Grape Juice. The next two weeks, I spend talking with Jason Michelli and Taylor Mertens. I hope you enjoy the change of pace and format for these first two weeks in Advent, because I sure enjoyed our conversations. I give you the crew from Strangely Warmed. Scott, you were for real smart, dude. That's <laughs> really kind. Tell my wife that. No, I, I introduce him to people as the smartest guy I know. To which, it, to which, again, I say, how often do you get out? Like, this <laughs> column is, it's, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. We're, we're dropping Heidelberg Catechism. We're quoting people. I mean, man, it's like. When we stop Facebook living, I have a story to tell you. <laughs> Grace and peace, and welcome to this episode of Strangely Warmed. I'm the host, Taylor Mertens, and today I am joined by my friends Scott and Jason to talk about the second Sunday of Advent from year B. The readings are Isaiah 40, 1 through 11, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, Psalm 85, 1 through 2, 8 through 13, Let me hear what God has to say, Second uh, Peter 3, 8 through 15a, God's time ain't our time and Mark 1, 1 through 8, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're good with the little, like, summaries. I like that. I'm terrible at that. I like that. I've been doing this every week since Lent 1, so I figured it out now. <laughs> Scott, the, the first uh, episode we ever recorded for this podcast was in uh, Stanley Hauerwas's office down in Durham. And I saw those I, pictures. I forget what, what reading it was, but we, we did the reading and we asked him to reflect on it. And he kind of like put his finger up. Like he just said, wait one second. And he walked over to his shelf and literally pulled his own book of sermons <laughs> off the wall, sat down and read to us out loud, his own sermon that he had you know written on that, uh, on that text and was laughing at his own jokes. Uh, and then like looking at us to laugh with him. Uh, <laughs> as he was doing it. So sweet, we've, we've gotten man. it figured out by this sweet point. Man. So in Isaiah 40, we have the quote that comes up again in Mark 1 about prepare the way of the Lord that is attributed to John the Baptist. But it talks here a lot about, well, at least what I kind of wanted to talk about was this leveling of all things. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. So what is it about God in Christ that is the great leveling of all things? You know, that would be a great, like, if we were going to open a manscaping salon, where the rough places are made plain. <laughs> That's a good title. Or maybe yeah. smooth, but plain, I don't know. I like that. I wanted to open up, like, an everything pickled store, like restaurant. Oh, you know, like yeah, like shop. It's like called pickle by fancy. Would you like pickle a, like Snickers bar? Big sweet legs. Oh, maybe. 
there's a there's this guy in Philly who like sp- this guy in Philly like pickles like spicy tomatoes and they're amazing. So what do y'all think? What is it about Jesus that is the great leveler? Well, that's socialism. <laughs> you want what do you, you level the playing field? You want you know this makes America great. Hey, there's a reason they called Bart the Red Pastor. Exactly. I think so. I mean, I would answer. I mean, one of the things I think is important in Isaiah is, is the idea of making straight, you know, a highway in the desert. Um, you know, most highways don't go straight. Um, they kind of go roundabout um, with the land, and and, and you know that uh, that God comes directly to us and knocks things out of the way to, to get to it. And so, if if Christ is the great leveler, what what He's leveling demolishing i think probably sure that's a better term i think yeah you know it is our pretense at self-sufficiency um which i think it connects with what scott was saying in our last week's episode about how you know there is this disorienting nature that has to come with christ it, it, mm-hmm. it's it's destructive uh, leveling sounds maybe a little too nice yeah i think it's um i don't scott might know who this line about how god's not in the salvaging business um, God's in the killing and making alive again. Yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. Death and, it's not re- resuscitation. It's resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, what we're rehearsing at Advent is, is God killing us to, to make us new. It's really interesting. Elizabeth Elliot, she, she's this evangelical woman that was married like all these times. She wrote like passion period, all these things, but, uh, and you could take or leave her books. I probably leave them a bit. She tells this story of being in New Zealand and a shepherd is dipping the sheep in this like, you know, it's like smells probably like the sort of really medicated kind of awful dander shampoo or whatever. Like it's just, it's, but what it is, is it's, it's, it's a, a thing that will keep like mites and things that will kill it off of it. So mm-hmm. at the same time, like the, while the shepherd is saving the sheep, the sheep probably feel like the she- the she- feels like the shepherd is killing it. Mm-hmm. And she just was struck by this image of how often the shepherd, like, you know, it's it, it, these things that seem like um, they're killing us. And in some ways they do <laughs> are for uh, our, our real life. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing I think about this text is interesting. If you look, there's a book called Preaching the Whole Bible is Christian Scripture by Graeme Goldsworthy. And he has this kind of chart that's like, it's a little kind of fancy, but I, I can, if you guys put stuff like that in your show notes or I can screenshot or something but he talks about from like you know after the fall from abraham the story of salvation kind of goes up and up and up until you get to david and solomon not that there's not sin and not that there's not setbacks but largely the advance of the promise uh, uh, sort of overshadows the curse right but then when the monarchy breaks up the salvation history he, he has this thing kind of, it's still going forward and up but also there's this other line of judgment on the ground judgment is happening while god is still saving Mm-hmm. And so it's so like the salvation things are fulfilled in exile and through what happens after judgment, but God is still working Israel's redemption. And so I think it's interesting here in times like that, where the kingdom is corrupted and it, it doesn't events the, the redemptive kind of aura that, you know, Israel, God had hoped for and Israel had hoped for that go out to the wilderness why the wilderness? You've given us this te- this temple. It's the most glorious temple I can imagine so- Solomon saying. We worship the Lord in more glory and splendor. <laughs> it is fan- 
fantastic. <laughs> uh, the best. But so the, so the glitz and, and, and glory place. The, no, you, we actually have to go out to the wilderness, like when we were first delivered, and like mm-hmm. you know when we didn't have a nation, we didn't have uh, the things that make other nations secure. When we, when we couldn't count chariots, when we ran from chariots. And so I think there's something there about situating, um, you know, when it, it's interesting because Craig Barnes, pre, the president of Princeton, I heard him preach a sermon one time about temple versus tabernacle spirituality. Mm. The temple's fixed, right? And you kind of always know when things are, and the tabernacle is always, it's kind of on the move. Um, so there you go. That's all I got on Isaiah. Cool. Well, then we can move on to Psalm 85. Uh, let me hear what God has to say. In verse 9, it says, and this, I think, is keeping with some of the themes that we've been bringing up. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Do you think that we're afraid of God anymore? Jason, are you afraid of God? Uh, sometimes, yeah. yeah. What would I mean, so what would it look like to um, emphasize this a little bit more? I think that we we have created in our minds that God is this really happy bearded white man in the clouds who just wants us to be kinder to each other. But is it more appropriate for us to be a little more afraid? Are you saying God's not white? I'm positive God's not white. Um, no, I, I I think no one has ever seen God, man. How do you know? <laughs> the Bible says so. But if no. we love each other, um, yeah. So no, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think to fear God is, is just to be kind of self-aware, right? I mean, that you know, I think Stanley Harawas likes to joke about how, you know, he would never want a personal relationship with God. That sounds awful. <laughs> um, you know, and, and just, you know, for someone as compromised and sin-sick as myself to come before the Lord um, would be a, a, an intimidating thing. Right. And I think in particular during the season of Advent, when sanctuaries are filled with all this, this purple and you've got Christmas trees and, and you got the, your, you know, angelic children's choir singing, uh, you know, Christmas hymns and all this sort of stuff. There is a, you know, I think about Mary and Joseph, uh, on, on, you know, the eve of, of Jesus's birth. And I don't see them as being happy and hopeful. I mean, I see them as being utterly terrified, uh, but we don't, we don't have that conveyed to us through songs often, or we don't have that conveyed to us through art or through sermons. Um, because I think the proper posture is to be afraid. Yeah. I mean, a, a reverence that induces, you know, awe. yeah. Awe and trembling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is what the law does, right? Properly. I mean, it, it, it does say like, we don't measure up and yet, but I think sometimes, well, it, it's interesting because I'm thinking about we've just been in the lectionary and all these parables, like l- the last few of the church year were like um, the sheep and the goats, mm-hmm. which is which is interesting. There's I think it's funny because I think the actual proper interpretation of that is that the little ones are the church, the, the disciples. I don't think it's just general poor people. Not that there's not. I agree with that. Yeah, I think it's that's that's majority opinion in church history, actually. But but I think that like you look at people like the. Um, the pen, the parable, the talents or places like in the, in these parables where it seems like just like Eve, they're seduced into a picture of God that keeps them fearful. Mm. And, and it got, so like, I think now again, like part of what 
is makes God one that I think is the consolation in our earthly fears and not the exaggerate of them is our need, right? Like our, our sin, um, which we're always, you know, like revisiting. And, you know, there's a sense in which, again, it's the justification, it, it, sanctification, getting used to uh, the unconditional love that comes in justification and that being the transforming thing. But I think, so, so yes and no to fear. I think there's an appropriate sense in which there's a fear that gives way to mercy. And then there's a fear that's actually not a fear of God. It's probably a fear of the image of God we've dreamt up and sort of that's tormenting the law of our own expectations or something. And I think that yeah, is fear yeah. that's probably counterproductive. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that, you know, one of the things we're remembering at Advent and in, 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 into Christmas is that we have a God who doesn't wait around for us to get our act together. You know, that, that God is such that God comes down to, to fix everything for us himself. Um, but thinking that we need to fix everything ourselves in order to mm-hmm. like make our way to uh, like, that's what induces a fear that isn't reverence, but is malformed worship and idolatry. Amen to that. Yeah. Which let's go on to second Peter because that sort of, you know, do you think any, any preachers preach second Peter in Advent? Like I doubt it. Unpopular pastor in the world. People some, of the like, one, some of the ones that follow the lectionary. We, we, we just want to sing Christmas songs. And like, you're reading from what? Peter? There's two Peters? Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is a reading from two Peter. Uh, God's time ain't our time. But do not ignore this little fact, beloved, that one day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not Lord is not slow about his promise as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. You skipped over all the fire language. I didn't skip over it. I just didn't keep reading. And the elements will be dissolved with fire. Heavens will be set ablaze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is echoing the John the Baptist passage to follow. It's mm-hmm. a great book by James Baldwin, The Fire Next Time. It's, it's a very beautiful and tough book. But, um, Since all these things are, pe- are, to, are to be dissolved in this way, comma, we don't need to worry about climate change. There you go. <laughs> I mean, that's oh, actually wow. almost been said in Congress. I mean, it, this verse hasn't been, I don't think, specifically referenced, although it might be. It might have been. But it's, you know, that's the yeah. I, that's when, because that congressman goes to the church with the guy who preaches on Second Peter in Advent. When, when, uh, Maybe when we I, shouldn't preach. <laughs> when I was in college, I went door to door for the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. I only did it for like a month and a half because I hated it so much. But uh, they would take us to different places in Virginia to go door to door. And uh, I always got sent to like the worst places. But like the worst was Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, and I had all of these like Liberty University people. And they would like one after another would tell me, you know, they would quote this passage or they talk about Armageddon. Why should we care about the environment? God's just going to destroy it all. Which, I mean, if you can step back from just like the nonsense, like refusal to acknowledge science, you know, there, there is like, well, you know, God, Jesus is going to come back and destroy all of this and make it new again. So, I mean, that is a valid perspective to have mm-hmm. separated out from. Therefore, time. beloved, while you are waiting for these things, <laughs> Strive to be found by him at peace without spot or blemish 
you know, I would make the case that, you know, while we're waiting for that to happen, we also have, you know, God did not give us domination over creation, but dominion, and we have a responsibility to care for it. Yeah, and I also think getting back to something Going we, talked, on that we talked about, I think last week, but this, the, what is, what's the eschatology of the early church? And one, at one perspective as well, they thought the end of the world was coming around the corner. And so they were so radical. And then when they realized, oh, we've got a delayed Perusia, then they just became the kind of churches that form committees and, you know, have district superintendents and all these things like that. But the other perspective would be like, maybe they had a super realized eschatology. Maybe they thought, wow, the new day has dawned. Mm. And, and you see here, like it's, it's confident what kind of has already happened. The promise, this life altering thing in the death and resurrection, the Christ event. Wow, we're already living in this new reality and then waiting for its completion as opposed to sort of there. Yeah, and we can, as we tie up with John the Baptist, I've got some thoughts about this too. What does it look like to, <clears throat> to strive to be without spot or blemish, Scott? That doesn't sound like good news to me. Sure. Well, you know, it's interesting. I put, uh, my wife has cold cream like in the thing. And I thought, what if I use this in my face? I started using a some makeup remover. And so I feel like it's cut down on my spots and blemishes. So I would, I would think it's, you know, if you can, if you can get used to the effeminate nature of it, put a little cold cream on your face, man. Get rid of the spots and blemishes. My face is so smooth now. Never use, also never use soap on your face, like regular soap. Find some sort of gentle cleanser. So Jason, this, this is why you must open your shop because where we go <laughs> to have the rough places made plain, we will be without spot or blemish. <laughs> Mark 1, 1 through 8, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. That was really helpful advice for preachers, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Don't use soap on your face. <laughs> so uh, you said you had thoughts on John the Baptist, Scott. Well, yeah, I kind of think, I, so first of all, I find John an interestingly tragic figure, right? Because, and Zachariah, his dad, right, is a priest, Right. And, and the, you know, there's this uh, infertility issue and they're praying for um, this child. Right. It's interesting, too, because all the other sort of birth stories that are not miracles, but they're sort of uh, births that are helped along in the midst of seeming uh, infertility and struggle. Those things all enhance the people like it, it, they don't they, you know, having the child gives them some prestige. Right. And improves their life circumstance. As opposed to Mary, who says yes to a pregnancy she's not praying for, and it problematizes her life. So it's where the mm -hmm. virgin birth in these long. But but John is sort of the last great. I'm longing for a child story, and then he's called John. He gets this message, and it's interesting because his dad's a man of the temple, and he sets up shop in the wilderness. Yep. And I always think, what must it be like, like longing for the son who then sort of becomes yeah. the critic of what you've devoted your life to. Um, mm -hmm. And also, you know, he, he, the, the, there's, which matches, I mean, which matches the function that Jesus plays in the life of Israel. Yeah. I mean, it is right. He is a problematizer, right? He's, and then, and you get this, you know, message when John's in prison, are you the one or should we expect another, you know, this strange relationship with his cousin. And I love Jesus words there. Blessed is he who takes no offense at me. Mm-hmm. And there's a beautiful thing there. Like you've seen what's happening, but it, but it's still offensive because it doesn't quite gel. And the other thing I think about John that's interesting is he is preaching uh, a typical sort of second temple apocalyptic kind of message, right? Not yet, but soon. Mm -hmm. So let's get out of the words. Let's repent. Let's make a way straight. And then he's coming soon. And Jesus flips that to already, but not yet. Mm -hmm. Which Paul Zoll makes this point in his book, The First Christian, which is fantastic. It's kind of a revision of his dissertation. And it's one of those things where I read it. I was like, why haven't I read that before? 
but that you know it also kind of makes space for this the simo right the sinner and saint like it's the both end not the either or of sort of not yet but soon and so jesus kind of transformation of that eschatological message is why kind of like we were saying last week jason where you were kind of saying that hey we can't get too carried away with trying to sort of recreate the context of israel waiting for jesus because we can we can't go back to not yet but soon Mm-hmm. And why would we want to, right? Because the great sort of sinner and saint uh, d- dialectic, it, it, that's made possible, I think, by this eschatology, eschatology of Jesus. The sort of, it's come and yet coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think like it's, you know, yeah, it's just a fantastic uh, portrait in a way to begin. Yeah, and I think, I think John gives us, you know, John gives us a way to understand what it means to strive to be found without blemish or spot that the posture of John the Baptist, um, uh, preaching repentance, confessing his sins and confessing that, you know, he is not worthy to stoop down and untie the, the, you know, the shoestrings of Jesus, that that's, um, you know, that that's, that's how we rub the cold cream on our face, um, is through confession and contrition. And by wearing awesome outfits like camel's hair with a leather belt and eating wild locusts with honey. I bet he didn't get that at the uh, food shop. Uh, yeah. Hey, if, if, he didn't get the, at the pickle shop. Hey, if, uh, we can be, if we can be clothed with Christ's righteousness, we can be moisturized by him as our cold. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important, too, for like Christians to remember, you know, that like the baptism that John is doing and the baptism that Jesus experiences is different than the baptism that we celebrate in the sacrament. Right. Um, I, I think those get easily confused. Yeah. Cause here, this is, it looks like right. A mikvah washing. Like mm-hmm. it's saying, it's like, it's almost, we have to do like the proselyte thing. Like we have mm-hmm. to go and become Israelites again in some weird mm-hmm. way, but, but it's not, yeah. The union with Christ that comes in our baptism is, is different than what's going on. Yeah. It's just interesting that like Jesus is putting on us in his baptism you know, and, and we're putting on him and ours or putting on his death. I love that. Dying and rising again. Well, thank you guys for joining on this. We should episode. do this for a living. Yeah. Like, talk about God for a living. It's great. I love Pretty it. Good. There's no money in it. Was it good for you, Scott? This is fantastic. 20 minutes or less. Thanks for listening to the Synaxis podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review and subscribe or Pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks again to Jason and Taylor from Strangely Warm. Check out that podcast and crackers and grape juice. And thanks to you again for listening. Until next time, friends, fare thee well. And have a blessed Advent.